Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. As you know, we put in a ton of time and effort to make each of our shows as valuable as we can. If you find the information useful, please share this podcast with a friend by emailing it to them or sharing this on the social media site of your choice. With all the talk of identity theft happening in America today, you might be surprised to find out the largest group of victims of identity theft is children. Joining us today is Robert Chappell, veteran law enforcement officer and identity theft expert and author of the book, Child Identity Theft, What Every Parent Needs to Know. Welcome, Robert. Thank you for having me. Hey, this is a great topic, and I'll tell you, as we were preparing for today's program, neither Tony or I realized that child identity theft was such a big deal, and you've gone so far as to write a book about it. Tell us, what got you involved in this? Well, I've been in law enforcement for 28 years, and I could see a fundamental shift from the normal scams that people would think of into identity theft and then ultimately into child identity theft. While I thought maybe it was just a view that was only to me and that I was only seeing what I saw, I read an article that confirmed what I believed to be true. And that was along about 2009 Newsweek magazine that did an article on foster children and how within the California foster care system, there had been approximately 84,000 foster care children, nearly half of which had been victimized by child identity theft. And for me, that was a call to action. So I decided that I needed to educate myself and to try to help educate the public on child identity theft. And I went to a local national chain and I tried to self-help and I tried seeking assistance from store personnel. Couldn't find any books on child identity theft. So I went to another chain and same drill. There were no books at the national chains on child identity theft. So I tried the public library system. Couldn't find anything within two different library systems. Uh, I set out to write a book on child identity theft to educate parents, and teachers, school administrators, police officers, medical care workers, daycare workers, anyone who cares for children on a daily basis to teach them about what child identity theft is how to figure out whether their child, to the best of their ability, has or has not been victimized. If they have been victimized, how to help clean it up and deal with the emotional effects. So that's how we got to where we are today. Child identity theft, what every parent needs to know, is available for parents to pick up and purchase and read to try to keep their child from becoming a victim. So why don't you tell us, what is child identity theft exactly? Absolutely. Child identity theft is when someone targets your child specifically because of their age for the theft of their Social Security number or date of birth for the purposes of using it in some type of a scam. It may be for the application of a credit card. It may be for the use of medical procedures, or it may be to commit a crime. It's when someone targets your child specifically because of their age so that they can benefit from the usage of that information. And just how big of a problem is child identity theft? You kind of talked about a little bit in the opening, but I know when I read some of the background on you, I was shocked by the number. Good question. You know, one of the first studies that I saw was the Carnegie Mellon University Scilab who had done a study a couple years ago, and it said that children were 51 times greater of a risk to be victimized by child identity theft than adults. Some of the most recent studies, the first being Javelin 
Strategy and Research Group, who said that this past December, one in 40 households in America has children in it that have been victimized by child identity theft. And it's not just one child, but it's at least one child in every 40 households in America. And the last study is All Clear ID that has done a study that was released within the past year, and it talks about how there has been such a great increase in children under the age of five who are now being victimized by child identity theft. In a comparative from 2011 to 2012, that age group segment of society has increased, according to All Clear ID, 105%. So these are statistics that we must, as parents and law enforcement and educators, pay attention to and begin to address. Well, fortunately, Robert, we don't think like criminals. Most of us don't. So help us understand why would criminals target children versus adults? That's an excellent question. If you look at the credit issuing system in America, first off, there's no date of birth verification. In other words, most identity theft that is committed against children is some form of synthetic identity theft or identity theft manipulation. In other words, synthetic identity theft is if I take your child's social security number and I put it with someone else's name, or maybe I take your child's name and put it with someone else's social security number and I use a different address, I create something. Identity theft manipulation, when I take maybe the date of birth and I will switch two numbers in it. So there's a couple of ways that criminals have learned to trick the credit issuing system. When someone decides that they want to apply for a credit card, It's submitted through your credit issuers such as TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. And I would say that I'm sure they do a great job at catching a lot of identity fraud. But they have no national database to check and verify that a child named John Smith was born on this particular day and forever and ever this Social Security number will be attached to that name. There is no system in place like that. So when a credit issuer receives a first-time application, They take that first-time request for credit as being a good risk because there is nothing negative associated with the name and Social Security number. So children are being exploited, and they're being exploited because criminals have learned that if you steal a child's information at birth, the child is not going to pick up on it in all likelihood until they reach 16, 18, 19 years old when they start applying for a college, apply for a job, apply for credit, something to generate a credit report that notifies them that they've been victimized. And who would have thought, I mean, most of us as parents, as adults, we're taught you should check your credit scores and monitor your credit history on a regular basis. And many states, I know where we live, they're required to provide that for you twice a year, I believe. But who would think to do that for the kids? You know, I would say that a lot of people don't even check it for themselves. Even though the federal government mandates that you can go to www.annualcreditreport.com and get a free credit report. If you wanted to get it from TransUnion, not only can you get it from them, but you could wait three months later and get it from Equifax. And you could wait six months later and get it from Experian. But a lot of people don't take advantage of that. So, you know, I doubt they would take that extra step of doing it for their child. Now, parents need to educate themselves that you need to take advantage of what the federal government mandates is free. And nowadays, the realization 
and the education that we're trying to give parents is that you must understand that a child's information is of value. We think that children aren't out in the workforce. They're not earning income. So therefore, until they reach that point, that they're not of value. We all know that they're of value to us as parents, but we must learn that to criminals, your child's information is of value. Once parents buy into the belief that their children's information is of value, I think they'll take the steps to protect their children. And as you mentioned, what they need to do is get a copy of their credit report. And I would have to go one step further, is that you can get a copy of a child's credit report and if there's information on there, know that the child's been victimized. But you could also apply for this same information and get a negative report back, and your child may still have been victimized. Now, the logical question would be, how could this be? The credit reports that are issued are issued strictly on a match of the exact information. So if your child's information, name, and Social Security number has been stolen and used, you're going to find that out. But if your child's Social Security number as we described in synthetic identity theft, if just your social security number has been used and it was associated with a different name, credit industry is not going to pick up on that. What parents are going to have to do is they're going to have to contact and specifically ask for a manual search on the child's social security number, and that's the only way to uncover that. Let's drill a little deeper on just making sure everyone understands why is the early detection so important? It is. You know, that's a great point you bring out there because the longer a criminal has to misuse or abuse your child's credit, the more damage that can be done, which translates into the more cleanup you're going to have to go through. If you could imagine if my intentions are to abuse your credit for one time, then probably the cleanup is going to be less. But if I'm going to max out everything that I can, get as many credit cards as I can, or open as many different revolving accounts, and then sell that information to someone else to go to a different city and abuse it under a different name or maybe obtain employment in your name or maybe to file false tax returns in your name, then you can imagine the amount of cleanup that it's going to take and the amount of damage that can be done over time. So who exactly are the people stealing children's identities? Javelin Strategy and Research says that 73% of these people are people that you don't know. They're strangers to you. Maybe it's people that you've crossed paths with. Maybe it's people who work at somewhere that houses your children's information, like a doctor's office that has medical records or a school that has school records or daycare or, you know, some type of health care system or insurance or anywhere your children's information could be. You may not know these people, but they may have access to your child's records. It could be someone that your child is talking to online. It could be a phishing attempt, someone in another location trying to entice your child to give up their date of birth or give up their social security number and their name and then abuse it like that. But now the study that Javelin did in December also says that 27% of this is committed by people that are known to the child. In other words, parents, relatives, or friends of the child or friends of the family. Probably the most often reaction that I get is, why in the world would a parent do something like that to their child? In this case, what I see from a law enforcement perspective is that no one intends to cause harm. What they intend to do is, in a tough economic time, to maybe have a utility turned back on. Let's say that they can't pay the heating bill, and so they attempt to get the heat turned back on in the child's name. We all know that's against the law. I don't support that at all. Child identity theft is child identity theft. 
But rarely does it stop there. From there, it goes into the justification phase, which is, well, if I get the cable turned on in the child's name, then I'm really taking care of the child. Or if I go get a credit card to buy things, I'm really taking care of the child. And what ends up happening is that the parent that couldn't pay their own bills eventually can't pay their child's. Now you're left with a dilemma for the child who wants to become an adult but has ruined credit and can't get it cleaned up because the credit issuers, whether they're credit cards or revolving accounts, they want a police report in order to clean up a child identity theft case. And people are reluctant to turn in their parents to law enforcement. So what happens is that the child has ruined credit forever, and it's hard to work beyond it. I'm just sitting here listening to you, literally trying to pick my jaw up off the floor, Robert. It's just amazing what valuable information you are providing our listeners. Unfortunately, we're going to take a quick break. Absolutely. But listen, please stay tuned because there is so much more to cover. We'll be right back. The purpose of this message is to stop your heart for just a few seconds. If you weren't here, what would happen to your family? Would there be enough money for them to have the kind of life you want them to? People with life insurance know the answer. Life insurance isn't for the people who die. It's for the people who live. A reminder from the Life and Health Insurance Foundation for Education, a nonprofit organization. Welcome back as we continue an amazing conversation today. I think one of our best shows ever, personally, Jim. I think this is so impactful, and people need to tune into this and listen and share it with others. We're talking today with Robert Chappell, who is a serving veteran law enforcement officer in the great state of Virginia and identity theft expert and author of a book, Child Identity Theft, What Every Parent Needs to Know. Robert, before we get back to the content, just share with us how we get the book. Absolutely. I would encourage people to visit Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, either the brick-and-mortar store or online, Books-A-Million, Overstock.com, and over 290 book chains across America. So any local bookstore is either going to carry it or they can order it. And you can also visit my website of www.childidtheft.org or my Facebook of www.facebook.com backslash childidtheft. Fantastic. Well, listen, you've got so much more to contribute here today, so let's go right to it. Next question we got for you is, do you have to be rich to be a target of child identity theft? No, absolutely not. And I'll tell you why. Because a clean credit report is just that. It's clean. When you first start out, it doesn't matter if your family is rich or your family is poor. As far as the credit issuers go, that is a clean slate. It's blank. It is for you to write what the history is going to be in that particular situation. So you would think that, well, if I come from an affluent family, I'm more of a target than if I come from a low-income family. But that's not true. Everyone is equal. When we first start out, everyone is equal in the eyes of the credit issuers. So lower-income people are taken advantage of just as are the upper-income people. Your children need to be protected the same. What do we do as far as what forms can you complete each year that we should be careful of when we complete them, which put our kids at risk? That is a great question. When you start out the school year, every year, normally there's going to be emergency forms that come home. And what I usually tell parents is uh, that's normally in the form of about five to eight forms every year, and we just fill them out because we're in the habit of filling them out. 
first and foremost, I would ask parents to never fill out a form, including your Social Security number, that you don't question. Is the need absolute? I did that myself this year because I have children in school. And upon asking, they said, no, we've just always had that on the form, so therefore we just continue to include it, but I don't think we need it. I'm not saying that there aren't forms that don't require it. Some U.S. Department of Education forms require a Social Security number. But I would pose the question to parents this. If you have a child that's in 8 through 12 grade, it means that for the last 8, 9 to 12 years, you filled out forms at the beginning of school for all those years. Where are those forms today? What did the school system do with them? And we're only talking about one entity, which are schools. Did they shred the documents when they were finished with them? Did they cross-cut shred them? Did they burn them? Did they just tear them up? Did they douse them with water? How did they get rid of those forms? And if they got rid of them, were there two people there to verify that, in fact, they were properly destroyed? Most people will tell you that we entered them into a computer. Okay, then the question becomes, where is that information today? Most computers are replaced or refreshed every probably four years. So what did we do with the hard drives with our children's information on them? As I mentioned, that's only one system. Forms, we fill out insurance forms every day. We fill out doctor's information. Any form that you fill out on your child, basically you have to know that that information not properly protected could cause your child's harm. So I ask parents to please be cognizant of the fact that whether it's inside of the home or outside of the home, whenever you're filling out a form, question the information that you're about to release on your child. Robert, it just makes me think of a show I saw recently. Then I was aware of this, of course, having an office and equipment like computers and copiers that every time you make a photocopy, that image is kept on the hard drive of the copier. It certainly is. And when you get rid of the copier or trade it in, and this is how the show actually teed it up, it showed a ship crossing the ocean to China of used copiers and all the data that is on those. So you imagine you stop at Kinko's, make a copy of a kid's form for school, and it's left behind. It's just unbelievable. It's almost hard to try and keep track. I mean, you have to be almost so defensive today. This is great stuff, but you have to really think when you are filling out forms and making copies of them. Well, listen, let's go on to what steps can parents take to protect their children? I know you've got some good stuff here. One of the first things that I say is to teach your children about childhood anything. And in order to do that, you're going to have to teach yourself. So you're going to have to read up information. I hope people will pick up a copy of my book and read it. But educate yourself through some means on child identity theft so that you understand that children's information is of value. And then you need to translate that down into the understanding of the child of what they can and cannot release about themselves. I grew up in an era where we're supposed to respect our elders, and I support that 100%. But I think in today's society, we need to teach our children that it's okay not to release information on themselves when someone is asking until the child comes home and asks the parents if it's okay to release it. In other words, if someone today asks your child, what's your date of birth or Social Security number, I think the child should be able to say, I'm going to go home, I'm going to ask my mom or my dad, is it okay to release that information to you? And if they say it's okay, I'll release it to you. It gives the parents the opportunity to screen or have knowledge of who it is that's asking for my child's information. And when children feel comfortable with the ability 
to put someone off about asking their information, I think you'll start that fundamental shift. And then translate that into other things within the home, like review your information and just don't throw things in the trash. Make sure that you cross-cut, shred every document coming out of your house on your child. Because once it goes out into the trash, it's no longer yours. If you're going to mail something, make sure that you mail something in a locked container. I call one of the phrases that I use the red flags of identity theft. And I just imagine criminals today who go around looking for the suburban mailboxes at 3 a.m. in the morning with the red flags up. Basically, for a criminal, it takes all of the guesswork out of their search for information on families. They don't have to really do a lot of work on which mailbox to look in. We just look for the red flags. And it just says, steal me. In the suburban setting, if we had a policy within the family of not putting mail out either until the mail person comes around or by strictly using a locked mailbox, you know, we can make a dent in things. Don't share your child's information. Don't put information about your child in your wallet or your purse. Because if you lose your wallet, if you lose your purse, then thieves are going to know a lot about you. They're going to know probably your child's insurance information. They're going to know the Social Security number, and they're going to be able to abuse your child. Watch what you put around your workstation, because whether it is a teacher putting too much information on the walls at school or whether it's a parent putting too much information, you have service providers, custodial staff, that's going to have access to your work area or your child's learning area. So we have to be cognizant of who's got our children's information where. Teach your children not to enter social networking sites by putting their information in. Most Facebook, MySpace, Xbox 360 gaming systems are requiring your child's information to include their date of birth. Once it leaves your child, who knows where that information is. Everyone who has your child's information is a potential risk. So you've got to be very cognizant. Teach your children not to give out information on the telephone. Regardless of who the caller ID says it is, you can be scammed, not really be who the caller says they are. So teach your children not to give information out on the telephone. I encourage families to go to www.donotcall.gov and register your children's cell phones, the home phone, to try to cut down on telemarketers. There's a lot of things, you know, that families can do. I caution families that are traveling to never take your eyes off of your luggage or your briefcase or your laptop. An airport is one of the riskiest places in today's society for the theft of a laptop. And we keep a lot of information on our laptops, whether it's business information or parents keeping information on their children. So never take your eyes off of your valuables. And that translates also into the hotel room. If you're going to vacation over spring break, make sure that you protect your belongings, whether you lock it up in a safe or whether you take it with you and keep it locked in the trunk. But protect the information that you have on your family at all times. The simple system of shredding that I mentioned before is probably something that we don't do enough of and we don't use the right kind of shredders because we don't believe that anyone would ever go through our trash. But I'm here to tell you today that I've been to a recycle bin before to drop paper in and saw somebody sitting inside of there sifting through the paperwork. So people do actively look to steal parents' information. Make sure that 
Any information inside of your house, if you can, can be put in a locked container, whether it's everyone's social security cards, birth certificates, passports, tax records, insurance records, anything that identifies your family. Make sure that you secure it properly in the house. Those are just some tips to help you out. Tell us, Robert, how do parents typically discover that their child's identity has been stolen? Well, I would hope that it is discovered at a younger age, and that's what I'm trying to help parents do. Typically, the child turns 18 or around the age of 18, and they go apply for a first credit card, or they go seek admission to a university or college that, as part of the admission process, runs a credit history. They attempt to go into the military. They attempt to get a job, anything that runs a credit history, and the child gets turned down. That's probably the number one way that parents find out about it. Now, what I want to do is I want to teach parents that my book will help you recognize that if you start to see credit card offers in your child's name come through the mail system, that's a red flag. Pay attention to it. Maybe you don't receive credit card offers, but maybe your child is getting an increase in general mail. That could be a red flag. Unless you, as a parent, have been to a savings and loan or a bank or a credit union and opened up an account in your child's name and failed to opt out of the marketing, your child shouldn't be getting anything financial in the mail. So I try to teach parents things that can help you recognize early so that you don't get the wake-up call of either a debt collector calling you, a turndown for something that you've always wanted, or a law enforcement officer showing up at your door with some type of a court civil action paper where someone is suing you for a bill that was obtained in your child's name but that you had no knowledge of. Robert, let's end today with what are the emotional effects of dealing with child identity theft? You know, child identity theft is a lose-lose for the child, I'll be honest with you. We've talked today about two groups of criminals that steal from children. The first group was strangers. The typical child feels like they've been violated, that someone has stolen their information, and to make that worse, that the parents didn't protect them from it. Now, as parents, we all know that we do everything in our powers to protect our children from any and everything. But we feel like if this happens to our child, that there was something that could have been done that we didn't do. So therefore, we fail to protect our child. Now, as we also discussed, 27% of this, according to the Javelin study, is done by parents. So the child feels victimized by the parent. And there is a loss of trust between those two that probably endures for many, many years. So if you circle back to the original question of the emotional effects, put yourself in the child's situation here. You don't win in either case. Regardless of who victimized you, you don't win. And some children need counseling to try to help them with the path of how do I rebuild. For parents, it is the instituting the educational tools that I give you about child identity theft in my book to try to do everything that you can to prevent your child from becoming victim. And then if your child is still victimized, you will have the feeling that I did everything that I could. Now I'm going to do everything that I can to clean it up. So it is an emotional roller coaster. It may require counseling. It will definitely wear on the family. And it's not just one person that's going to go through it, the child. It's going to be the parents. It's probably going to be other siblings. 
but it's something that the entire family will have to get through together. You know, Robert, we really appreciate you joining us today, and I echo what Tony mentioned a little bit earlier in the program. This is one of the most impactful shows I think we've done that can truly help families, especially the scale and the scope of what you had just talked about. And just in closing, one of the things I've been thinking about through this whole show, I know on the older Social Security cards that used to be printed on there, this is not to be used for identity purposes, and they stopped printing that on the cards. I'm just kind of wondering out loud, there's got to be something that can be done on this when you have a five-year-old getting their identity stolen and then purchases being made and everything else. The system seems to be broken if it's to this scale. There's got to be something that can be done to fix this to make it more difficult. Any ideas that you have on that? I would say in closing that I have seen at least one state that is taking a significant positive step towards this, and that is Maryland. Maryland, as of January 1, 2013, has allowed for a credit freeze of a child if the parents want to do that. So they've really stepped up to the plate. You can elect as a parent to freeze your child's credit until they reach an adult age, which basically prohibits someone from obtaining credit in your child's name. So Why wouldn't you do that? How are they educating people of that option? Maryland is a model. Okay. For what hopefully will be spread across the U.S., but that's an individual state decision, and right. it is a legislature issue, and some states are impacted more than other states by identity theft. So it's one of those things that each state must consider on their own. Until we get to that point, I'm hoping that parents will institute some of the tools that I've given them today and some of the tools in my book, Protect Children. Wow. Well, again, thank you for your contribution today. And again, thank you for your service to the state of Virginia and now your service to the nation by providing such an impactful amount of information while you're still working your full-time gig protecting Virginia's roads. And it's just unbelievable. I just commend you for having the passion to do this. This is something we're going to definitely educate all our clients on. I think every parent in America needs to buy your book. Thank you very much for having me. You bet. Thanks for joining us this week. And tune in again next week as we explore another phase of the real wealth process. And remember, if anything you heard in today's show you'd like to get more information about, contact your real wealth advisor. Also, if you feel that any of this information will be helpful to a friend or family member, just click the forward to a friend button. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. We've got additional information and links in our show notes, which you can click on to learn more. If you have any questions about any of the topics covered or would like to learn more, you can go to our website, www.myprisminsurance.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter. Call us at 951-243-2800 or email me directly at prob at myprisminsurance.com. The email is in the show notes as well. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in, and have a wonderful week.